0: Hi, I'm Ms. I'm Ian Wright. And I'm Ryan Hunt. And collectively, we are the Stadio Podcast and Wrighty's House on the Ringer FC feed. Yes, we are.
1: We come to you three times a week on the Ringer FC feed. Bringing love. We're bringing love and football. So if you like zooming out and zooming in on football and all the stuff around it, make sure you follow Ringer FC on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: How's that, Ray? I reckon I'll do. Yeah, man.
3: There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class, leading passenger space, and clean, thoughtful design, and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.
0: This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time, and the tunnel and on travel days? Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire, you're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com.
3: It is the Ref One Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark. Max Verstappen wins with his biggest
1: gap of the season in Hungary. I'm joined by Spanner. Spanner, hello. Hey, man, how's it going? I am disappointed and sad and disappointed.
3: Meg Schuster is also here, back from Canada. Uh, is it a coincidence, Meg? You went to Canada, home of Nicholas Latifi, and then Latifi retires from racing a couple of days later. Did you did you talk to him?
2: Listen, I'm not going to say we had a heart-to-heart over some maple syrup, but we did not not have a heart-to-heart over some maple syrup, so here we go.
3: Wow. Uh, He's going to get uh, his MBA in London, which I'm I'm happy for him. That's that's such a a better path, and this also goes to what I've said a lot, which is go be the best team principal in the world if you have billions of dollars. That's more fun. It's less pressure. Less safety cars, presumably. Um, All right, so a lot to get to. Verstappen wins with his biggest gap of uh, the season, biggest gap in all of F1 since Lewis Hamilton at the Russian Grand Prix in 2021. They don't even do that race anymore. Toto Wolf afterwards probably, and it's funny because we we come to these microphones after every race and we find a new phrase that depresses all of us. And here's the new one. Toto Wolf uh compared his cars running against red bull to an f2 car running against an f1 car um <laughs> which is accurate but he didn't have to say it um having said that there were real opportunities for mercedes this weekend um non non red bull division spanner's uh you mentioned uh in our private chat you thought lewis lost p2 obviously uh the the mclarens yeah. go out and get that checo gets his podium um what did you see from Lewis today?
1: Okay, so the key bit of that being in our private chat, Kev. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm an out, I'm an outed Hamilton fan. So uh, hopefully, no one begrudges me that. And I think F1 is a, a little bit different to most sports. I think in American football or soccer or cricket, when your team, when your players don't perform well, we're very, very critical of that. In F1, it seems to be the other way around. You support a driver or a team, and you set them up with this like deity like presence and they can do no wrong but you know my sporting background i'm a lewis hamilton fan i am a a fan of mercedes and today i feel like they threw away a podium i I think that was the second best car and i will make the case for a, a few areas where i think mercedes and hamilton combined together to throw away the podium or the p2 that should have been theirs Okay. Are we need to do that right now? Okay, fine. I will do it right now. Okay, we're we'll we'll You can't part tease us and then not
2: do it. What the hell?
1: Wait, what do you want to do here? I don't here? know. I thought you were going to go, ten episodes on this. You're crazy. What What could you possibly mean? And I'd go, well, I'm glad you've come back to me. Well, okay, <laughs> yes. but hold on. But t- Toto
3: Wolf said Mercedes was the second best yeah, car. And, and right. then Ted Kravitz, well, here's the thing. So Ted Kravitz had to do this thing. I instantly recognized it as someone who talks to, a lot of people like that where they're coping or they're just explaining something coping. and then they say something you don't expect and then you just kind of have to break it to them that you think they're wrong and so <laughs> Ted Kravitz so so Toto was like we are the second fastest car and Ted was like "Uh, uh well obviously you know I'm thinking I'm thinking Lando Norris here like you're beating around the bush to say Ted was trying to tell Toto Lando was a was better today Yes. Um, yes, and Toto didn't want mm. to hear it, um, no. Spanners. you, yep. uh, you we're going to not save this for a midweek <laughs> episode. Um, no, no, no. Hey, so, look, I think so it's fairly the simple. Floor.
1: Yeah, I think like Norris was better today than Lewis Hamilton in a number of ways, and and McLaren have developed well and performed better as a team. So look, let, let's start with the drivers today. Lando Norris showed that he has the head to manage a complicated tyre strategy. So Pirelli haven't done this for a while. Okay. So yes, Piastri looks great. He was great on turn one. He took a great opportunity to mug Lewis Hamilton and Lando Norris, but you kind of, you think maybe he was lulled into a false sense of security by how hard Pirelli have gone on their compound choices. So he's just been beaten around, leaning on the tyres uh, all day long, all race long, all season long. And then Pirelli go a step softer, presumably because they've listened to me And uh, they've made the race more exciting. I think it was a good move by Pirelli to go a step softer. But Piastri perhaps doesn't have that same experience. Lando Norris has been in F1 doing that Pirelli tyre management for a lot longer. So early on in the race, Piastri's probably there nice and confident. Yeah, I'm matching Lando Norris. Lando Norris knows the fight is, is later on. It was a brilliant Pirelli drive from Lando Norris. And he just did... You know, a, a, a maximum better job than not necessarily Lewis Hamilton on tire strategy, but Mercedes hung Lewis Hamilton out to dry on tire strategy. So the first tire stop, they were in no man's land. they They went for an ill-conceived undercut, I think, which was always going to be easily covered off. I think it was three seconds back before he went to go for for the undercut. And for anyone who's not like fully familiar with undercut, the idea is you go on, you go early, you get your fresh tyres on and then you're going around on brand new tyres while your opponent is still circulating on the old tyres. Obviously, the disadvantage is you have to run those tyres for longer, but there was no way it was three seconds today. So they went for an optimistic undercut and then at the end on the last lap, they not only didn't go for the undercut when they had the chance, but then they, they didn't hang it out, hoping for a safety car or whatever, or, or go for an overcut or even, you know, go for the one stop. So they were in no man's land with tyre strategy. And you don't know whether that's down to Hamilton or Mercedes. Whereas Lando Norris and McLaren just nailed it. They did the simple things well. It's like, you know, that foot, if you're like Tottenham Hotspur going against Man, Man City, yeah, and you just play your 4 4 well, you pass well, you press well, you do the fundamentals right. And, and that's, what, that's what Lando Norris did and that's what mclaren did and then the other the other fail i think from lewis hamilton today was the start i yeah. feel like he, i feel sorry i've been talking for a while uh, i feel like he got a rush of blood so he got a rush of blood it's max verstappen you know it's the old enemy it's 2021 all over again and it was done max verstappen had the inside if lewis hamilton had the inside there he's gone as well but that was an indefensible position and he squeezed max verstappen tight he was always going to get pushed out to the outside neither Max Verstappen nor Lewis Hamilton was going to hug the apex and leave two car widths on the outside. It was done. And he saw it far, far, far too late, which I could tell from my sofa because I'm dead good, aren't I? But it was, it was just, it was an odd choice. Why fight Verstappen so hard? Did he have it in his head that he was racing Verstappen today? Because I I didn't. I thought he was racing the McLarens and he both lost out to both McLarens at the start. And uh, so, so I agree with Total Wolf. They had the second best car, but Norris was bang on it. McLaren were bang on it and Mercedes won. I sat
3: in the front row at White Hart Lane for a Man City Tottenham game. Tottenham won 4-1 and real case we made, it was my apex mountain. One of the best days of my life. <laughs> it was great. Weather was great. Had a great time with the wife. Um, Meg, is Spanners correct?
2: I I don't totally buy that Mercedes had the second best car across the entire weekend, but I'm totally with him in that they flubbed their strategy all over the place. I mean, even going back to Saturday and qualifying where they sent George Russell out seemed to hinder him from getting into Q2. I mean, he started what P18 sort of because of where he ended up in the, the grid and he got, you know, pseudo impeded by a number of cars who, when he was talking afterwards, he was like, I can't even blame them. I would have done the exact same thing in this situation. You're all fighting for your own life out there. And he just sort of had to put the blame on the engineers and where they sent him out. And, you know, that's bound to happen once in a while, but when you stack it up with what happened with Lewis this weekend, also, it was just a really, really tough outing all around from, from the Mercedes higher ups.
1: It was Q1 as well, Meg. Q1. Yeah. Q1. Like, One. That should have been, that should have been like easy to get out of you know, you, even George Russell said it in the post quality interview, like why weren't we just circling around getting bike bank laps? Right. They really left it till the last minute. And I think you know, as we'll say, long-suffering Mercedes fans, you know, oh, it's, there's only been like six world titles, or yeah, whatever you guys it is, have had it. Tough. <laughs> um, but the second we saw them the pit and not immediately come out, you go, oh, oh, I know, we know what they're doing. They're waiting for the perfect track conditions because there was loads of track evolution. But it's Q one, and and the right. thing is, they had to slow down so much to try and find and shuffle their place before setting the hot the hot lap that their tires just switched off and like lewis hamilton nailed the lap for p8 on the hards which tells you that you know they they sacrificed all their tire prep for having the ideal perfect grippiest track conditions and it and it didn't pay off because only one tiny thing has to go wrong i think lewis hamilton overtook george russell lando norris overtook george russell and then about four other cars overtook george russell mm-hmm. and and he just he like he didn't slow down enough to let everyone past and he basically didn't get the throttle on until halfway around the final corner and he said he was 3 tenths down before he got to the you know before he got to turn 1 so it's a disaster and you just go why why have they cut it so fine it's almost like they got caught in no man's land they don't have the confidence that they have the out and out pace yet they're acting like a team much lower down going okay we'll do kind of the clever alternate thing to get this crazy q1 result when they should really have cruised in even if they cruised in in p11 p12 who cares it's q1 right your line about mercedes
3: spanish reminds me of a bill belichick line you don't know who that is but uh after i think they lost against tennessee and a reporter said bill what do you have to say to the fans after this season after all, they stuck with you through thick and thin and belichick who's won six super bowls said uh i don't think there's been a lot of thin." And, like, that's how I feel about Mercedes. <laughs> like, there's just not a lot of, not a lot of suffering. Um, all right. So, let's talk about Checo. Christian Horner called it a statement drive today. Feel like spanners need to make a bigger statement. Oh, than man.
1: Oh, this is a bad day to be spanners. You know, if you're a Hamilton fan, and you're a Perez <laughs> fan. So, yeah, I mean, it, again, it's damning with faint praise, isn't it? You know, he's he's got, he's got the best car out there. and And, and Perez himself, fair play. Has come out and said all this stuff, saying, "Oh, I'm being sabotaged, or I don't have the same car." It's nonsense. We have the same car, and I, you, you get kind of get the feeling that what well, he has, you know, settled for right. Just give me the Verstappen car, give me the Verstappen setup, and I'll back myself to match it. And he's just, he's just not there. And so he's not number one in that team. They're never going to set it up towards him if he tries to deviate from what Verstappen's doing and set it up to his preference. It's almost like, do you settle for, okay, I'll set it up like that and I'll be a solid number two behind him or do I just go for everything exactly the same and then I've got a chance? In his head, he's got a chance, which doesn't doesn't seem to be the case. So, yeah, as a Perez fan today, is it an amazing recovery drive to get to P3? I would say it's almost the minimum. It's a very hard track to overtake on, but it wasn't the overtaking that let him down today. So all his overtakes were pretty clinical to the point of um, showing Piastri the gravel. So uh, Piastri knows where the grass is now on the edge <laughs> of T2. Russell certainly had to be very, very, very clear on where his front wing was exactly. But actually what let Perez down was he just used up too much of the tyre, I think on that final chase. He got to within three seconds of Lando Norris. And we see this loads in chases when you, there's a, a car hanging on a bit like Norris was because they said he said he was flat out. So a car hanging on a bit with their tyres and a car chasing them with a bit more tyres. The car in front almost has to let the car catch up because they have to save enough for that final battle. So, while it looked like, oh my goodness, Perez is just chewing Norris up, I think Norris was being pretty smart. And you're saying, right, I'm saving, I'm saving, I'm saving, right? Three seconds, three seconds. That's uncomfortable enough. I'm now I'm going to give it everything I've got. And, and that's where Perez also kind of went off a little mini cliff. So, I think, I just think that was great driving by Norris. Perez, again, just left himself way, way too much to do in the race. I- I'm assuming he got driver of the day, though, on the votes, because that seems to be how it goes.
2: It it does seem like Lando was toying with him a bit, but we also got that very stressed out sounding radio message where his engineer <laughs> came on and said Checo's within, I don't know if it was like five or six seconds at this point, this point, and he was lapping about I'm a second or 1.5 faster. And yeah, he was uh, very, very whiny and very um, concerned, it sounded like. so. Maybe he just kind of got it together in the end. But I, I think you're right. I think P3 was a minimum and it was disappointing to see how quickly his tires disintegrated there in the last five laps because it really seemed like he was going to be able to put up a fight. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think this like means anything for him going forward. No. I think it's about par for the course with how he's been since, what, Miami. Um, but it, it's yeah. sad to see when you have that kind of a car and you want the best for Checo.
3: From PA, sad to see. <laughs> a sad to see from Meg Schuster.
1: <gasps> Harsh, isn't it? it is. you, yeah, you've just got it too makes much me to do. Sad. <laughs> for, you, you stick, you stick Perez on the hards, and he does twenty-four laps at a decent pace, and 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 he doesn't really make a mistake overtaking people. It, it's just, it's just too much to do. If if they were as dominant as the McLe- as the Mercedes in 2014, 2015, and you're Rosberg doing that, which was a scenario we saw a lot and you've got enough of a margin, yeah, you just clear the whole field. I don't think, I think the field spread was a little bit worse than it is now. And then you, it looks like, yeah, solid one 2 Yeah, of course, Rosberg's number two. But I think you put Nico Rosberg in that Mercedes in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. I think Rosberg looks a little bit more Perez-ish. Yeah, come fight me.
2: But I, I do think they have that kind of a gap to the field. Like if, if you put Max Verstappen in P8 in that car, I feel like he ends up Winning the race, I don't, and I don't know. Maybe that's just you know the difference between the two drivers, I guess. But, um, I I would have expected more, I guess.
3: Okay, so this is a natural segue into Checo's possible replacement, who made his return this weekend. Daniel Ricciardo finishes thirteenth, two spots ahead of Yuki Tsunoda. Um, I didn't, I I I didn't find anything objectionable about this, Meg? What'd you think?
2: No, I thought it was sort of the best we probably could have hoped for. He outqualified Yuki, which I think was probably the goal going in, finished his 13th even with that accident from Joe and, you know, taking out the Alpines uh, around turn one. He got dropped to like 18th and managed to kind of fight his way back. He also had a 40-lap stint on the medium tire to finish the race, which is just wild and was able to hold off the people behind him with that tire. So, I think it was great to have him back out there. He was just a very, very happy, smiley presence. And I think he did about as good of a job as you could have expected in his first outing back.
1: Yeah, looking at the race pace, Kev, he he looked strong. It did actually look strong, like really, really encouraging. And remember, these are two drivers now massively under pressure. So no driver is playing the where will I be next season game harder than Yuki Tsunoda and Daniel Ricciardo. So he's come in to a car I thought he was going to struggle. So I was predicting a big, big struggle. He did the Red Bull test. I was like, yeah, this car's amazing. Yeah, man. You ain't you're not driving that car, bro. So <laughs> he went into the Alpha Tauri, which is uh, you know, renowned at this season for having a bit of braking issues. And I was watching the the live timings, which everyone listening to the sound of my voice now, you need to be watching the live timings. That is where the race is. Go and find the yes. the live timings during the race and and look at the race pace on the stints and try to be you know be an armchair detective picking those things out. Um, So, yes, he did have an unusually long stint. But when I could find comparable race pace stints between him and Yuki Tsunoda, it was really close. And I think that favors Daniel Ricciardo. So basically, you've come into a team and you're straight up to pace. It's good news. So I said this
3: last week, Meg, when when we started talking about the scenarios of Danny Rick, and I think that there were some people who said, and I was one of them at first, where I'm saying, why would he want to come back? He's just going to be in a bad car. It's going to look bad. It's going to be sad, all that stuff. The bar for him to succeed at Alpha Towery, when everyone knows it's a bad situation is so low. He has mm-hmm. to beat one person who he did beat today. As long as he reliably beats Yuki Sonoda, who in theory he should everybody's going to consider this a success. Everybody's going to tip him for replacing Checo in, in March of next year. Spanners?
1: March of next year? No, no, no. I think, uh, I think Paris is secure for, for 2024. I don't know about
3: that.
2: I think it depends on how he finishes the rest of the season. I, th- I think there's a chance. I, I know Red Bull keeps saying that there's no hot seat for Checo, and he's... Well, sad, and it remi- you know
3: what it reminds me of? It reminds me of this time last year, or a little before, when everybody when said, well, McLaren's got an ironclad contract with Danny Reck. He will definitely <laughs> be back for next year. And oh. then they were like, oh, no, you got to go, pal. Contracts recently... <laughs> are fake.
1: Can I, recently I say that? Sorry, I just recently rewatched the Drive to Survive episode with Daniel Ricardo oh. for the, the last season and like him talking about his hopes and you know whether he'd cling on and whether there Heart was a place breaking. available it was all so sad that like I've gone from not a Ricardo fan to like generally a well-wisher
2: when they gave him the send-off at the end of the season and were like he won't be back on drive to survive next year and it was like all the highlights of him throughout the year was just like just an awful. obituary the one thing that I took issue with with him this week Um, was that he shared a jet to Hungary with Lando Norris. Mm. And as a lover of chaos and drama, I really, really wanted them to have some sort of pseudo beef over the last half of this year. I know it wasn't going to happen because I know that they are friends in real life, but it would have been fun for me to uh, if they like played into that at all. Unfortunately, they're not.
3: I have a theory on athlete beefs, which is that the real ones you never really know about because they're over such serious things that, they would never become public, like that's that's mm-hmm. and so like the fact that it's like oh they were teammates or whatever like eh you can't really hate a guy that much because you were teammates and you were competitive and they're friends so and by the everybody's whole thing was that Max that Ricardo remember Horner said he was running from a fight when when Ricardo yeah. left like they're still boys like Max and Ricardo are still yeah. really really tight it was just professional uh, conscious uncoupling.
1: Who do you have a beef with in sport or in your professional life? You have the people who are probably most like you, who are in your zone, in your ability range, and the people you're having to, to beat to come up against. And I think ultimately, most people are mature enough to kind of turn around and go, wow, you know, you really pushed me and you pushed me because you're, you're like me. And how many sporting rivalries do you see where in retirement, they're bezies?
3: A hundred percent. Most of my feuds are with people who like from like fifteen years ago, where they probably don't even know they're in a feud with me. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about people from like local newspapers who didn't give me hey, internships. It's, like, the that's in I'm in a it's the same in podcasting, man. It's the
1: same pe- in podcast.
3: The people I'm not going to name people any names I'm in a with will be shocked that like yeah. they work at like random newspapers. They probably don't work there anymore. These are probably shut down.
2: I think we should have an offline discussion where we do name names. Yeah, yeah. Because then I can but... tell you
1: about Terry Saunders for from for F1 sake podcast. I hate that guy. <laughs> Cannot stand Dan Jury from engine breaking podcast. He is just the biggest <laughs> fraud in F1 podcasting. So we can say all of that in private.
2: Yeah, great. Wow. Can't wait. Okay. Can't wait.
3: Yeah. No, honestly, I would name names, just nobody cares about the people I'm I was feuding with when I Can was, I
1: quickly say like I love like that? 20, 23 Terry. years old.
3: <laughs> um, yes, you may.
2: This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use ArmorAll to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, ArmorAll, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to ArmorAll's website after you buy. Visit Armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions.
3: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, you want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.
0: This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, thirty seven thousand, twenty five, 25, and one. NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer.
3: Let's, uh, let's sort of get to, to Aston here, Spanners, because... Yes, Bro. They've been marker corrected by by uh, McLaren. Obviously, they are in freefall. I saw Fernando blame the tires
1: recently did, in the last did. couple of
3: days. He he dropped it. Nobody's talking about this, <laughs> buddy. I think people are talking about this. Oh no! Um, you should
1: start a podcast. People don't even know. People aren't people talking about this. Know. People, are, yeah, people yeah, don't yeah. even know.
3: I thought I briefly thought about that. It's just a podcaster device. Why is anybody talking <laughs> about this? Everyone's talking about it, dude. Uh, um, man, a bit of face saving
1: no i think Kev, a bit of face saving i think like th- we saw the decline um and and certain people have you know put a bit of you know skin in the game saying that it would drop off and they made a really good start and i think if a team comes from the seventh fastest car to the second fastest car you have to go what have they done and my guess was that they had front loaded the development which is what the old racing point and what the old force india outfit that they were used to do and and so it came to pass and I, I wonder, you know, what was sold to Fernando Alonso because he was making statements like, we're going to be on the podium every race until the mm-hmm. end of the season. And I, I certainly didn't think that would happen. And I'm only going by like a pattern recognition. What have we seen in the past from this outfit? What have we seen in the past from midfield teams who pop up at the beginning of the season? Because it's not uncommon. I, you remember, I think in the winter, you and I, Meg, we were talking about the calendar and we said that big, uh, you know, there was going to be a big gap where the Chinese Grand Prix was meant to be. Yep. And I said how annoyed I would be that a team was going to pop up like Haas and get podiums and then everyone would go, oh, this uh-huh. is the real deal, it's Haas. But it wasn't. It was Aston <laughs> this year. And it shows progress, but they'll come back next year. And so I think there might be, you know, a little bit of sting. It hurts, Alonso, to be fighting for podiums. And now I would say, no one's going to argue with me now, are they? That they are solidly the fifth fastest car just behind Ferrari. I think that feels fair. And, and that's got to hurt. So now he's saying, "Well, it's the it's the change of tires." You know that he's blaming it on the tires, but the the downward spiral started well before Silverstone when the tire compound changed, and he cited Red Bull as proof. So it was like, "Yeah, but Red Bull are struggling as well with these tires." Unfortunately, that was not sounded out by winning by the highest margin. Did you say the highest margin since eighteen seventy four? Did you say
3: that's exactly what I said? Yeah, that's exactly what
1: he right. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, you have to remember though, no safety car, no safety car. Hungaro Ring doesn't really give us many safety cars. So that, you know, that a lot of the bigger wins that Verstappen would have had have been masked by the fact there was a safety car that bunched the field up. But yeah, I asked him, Aston Martin, look, this was completely expected. Feel bad for him, but you know, is he going to retire this season or is he hanging on to see, you know, if, if I'm Aston Martin now, you've turned all your development to twenty twenty four already and break the cost cap this year, because we know that's a slap on the wrist. Uh, get a points deduction for this year. Who cares? You're fifth anyway, who cares if you're sixth? You've got a million, squillion dollars in um, Lance Stroll space box. So just come back next season and, uh, and, and come out with an even better front-loaded package and hang on for a little bit longer. And then Lance Stroll will be world champion in 2027.
3: Meg, non-Red Bull division, obviously, how do you see these teams? I would not want to say at, the, at the, on the second rung because that's a huge rung. But how do you see those teams working themselves out?
2: Yeah, I think Mercedes will probably finish comfortably second would be my guess. Um, And after that, I have a lot of questions because it felt like this weekend was sort of a proof of concept for McLaren, whereas Silverstone was like a great first outing. This one, it really felt like they had a really nice pace all weekend through qualifying and an especially great race pace, especially with that medium compound tire. Um, And they're only... They're 80 points behind Ferrari right now. They're 97 points behind Aston Martin right now. And I I don't want to come out here and say that two races is, you know, going to last the entire second half of the season. But I wouldn't put it past them to be in the hunt for three. I think either they or Ferrari will end up third.
1: Hmm. It's not not a complete surprise. I think the surprise was how badly they started. So that was disappointing. So they have sort of underwhelmed. And they had been on a slight upward path until this season, and then you kind of go, well, how have they ended up so low? So they got the concept completely wrong, and this is essentially their second stab at the, at the, at the concept this season. The, the, the thing that surprised me was how well they managed the, the higher wear with the softer tyre and mm-hmm. the higher temperatures. And I was actually, I was wrong for the first time ever in my F1 punditry career because <laughs> I really thought they would get found out with the higher wear, and they didn't. So I think that the only slight, you know, caveat on today's performance is Mercedes struggled in the hot temperatures, which is really, really frustrating because they, they, they work better on the tyres when there's higher wear and higher temperatures. But they've got an Achilles heel and they've had this since 2013, which is when it's a high ambient temperature, they seem to really struggle with, with cooling. And they just have not prioritised cooling and they get, they get caught out time and time again. So Hamilton asked if they turned the engine down I don't yeah. know by what mechanism they would do that or if they have other methods like you know putting up a big wind sail that catches air but slows him down but they were obviously doing something in the background to manage the tire temperatures uh, sorry the engine temperatures and 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 that means that you know when it gets warm their tire advantage is immediately thrown away by the fact they mm-hmm. can't manage the, the temps and temps and that has always been a blind spot in Mercedes general engineering. So I don't know, I don't know how they get around that, but that is the only, that's the the biggest reason I can say that uh, Lewis Hamilton wasn't able to make an impression in that second stint. They just had to back it all the way off. Um, But I think if Lewis Hamilton had not fought Verstappen, stayed ahead Mm -hmm. of those McLarens today, I think even with the cooling cooling they had to do, given the tight nature of uh, the Hungara ring, And the fact that the undercut was quite defendable, I think he would have been able to hold hold that second place. So that's the only caveat I'd put on McLaren's performance and their overall standings. But it's a massive surprise to see them leap up to what seems like clearly the third fastest car and with enough ability and performance to to beat Mercedes. But that's it. today, they had to be better than Mercedes to beat Mercedes. And they were. So they, they got it. So on average... Are they going to be ahead of Mercedes going forward throughout the season? I think it's a genuine fight. What's weird is how far kind of Ferrari have dipped back and taken themselves out of that fight.
3: Hey Meg, Ferrari. Yeah,
2: thank (laughs) God I've been waiting all podcast. I've been waiting all podcast. (laughs) Um, I have a question for you both. Is this an all-time bad vibes team right now? It feels like every communication we see. see
3: Charles was like, thank you, was, was so amped that someone asked if he was, uh, I think, demoralized was the was the question. He was like, thank you for asking that question. I'm not. I just want everyone <laughs> to know I'm not demoralized. Yeah, that's lot, always that's always lies. Are, that's okay. always, I'm not down
2: bad. I'm doing I'm gonna, just fine. I'm
3: going to, he says he's going to keep giving... All of Zephyr for every race,
2: which I, I, tend,
3: I tend to, I tend to believe in some. We in some got,
2: way. we got someone ask us on Twitter if Charles was quiet quitting right now. To which I responded, I think he's loud quitting right now. I think, I think he's really going
1: through it. And I then mean, someone responded
3: to that and said, "Le petit, le petit quit." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think That's the pit amazing. the pit wall might be quiet quitting. Like, I, I don't Everybody know what's going on with that Everybody pit wall. Quiet, quiet. Their plans, their their plan A, plan B. They've abandoned that. They're now going to hexadecimal to inco- right. accommodate new plans. Well, but and then I- they had
2: a, a like a plan or a position Sierra that they were asking Carlos about at one point, which I don't know if that's a pit stop strategy or some sort of positioning on the the steering wheel. But um, yeah, I I thought at a minimum the strategy stuff was supposed to improve under new team leadership. Even if the car was going to take a year or two to straighten out, that would be fine. But there still just doesn't really appear to be an adult in the room. And before anything else can get better, I think there has to be some sort of internal understanding and communication improvement because everyone on the radio is talking over one another. Everyone is upset and has a a negative tone of voice when they hop on. It's, It's just it's really, really weird.
1: I've got a guess for what that sierra what's it was right well, I mm. think sierra for switch for switch position that's my guess mm. so there was, okay. of, um, there was a bit of there uh, was a bit of you know rumblings on social media should carlos signs be let through on the soft tire because yeah. clerk was ahead of him on the medium tire and they were like why on earth isn't ferrari just letting uh, signs go through and attack so I actually think though in ferrari's defense and I this is the one per year in ferrari's defense they gave Carlos Sainz the choice and the option. And I think that might what be, you know, what it was like, do you want to deploy Plan Sierra? Do you want to switch? So if you want to go ahead, we'll let you go ahead. But he would have then...
2: I could be misremembering, but I thought the Sierra thing was after oh, was he was it? already oh, okay. off the softs. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I, so. I could be misremembering, mm. I'm and sure it's certainly valid if that's what it they, was. They were
1: definitely asking him if he wanted to push on when he was still on the softs behind Leclerc. And he kind of said there was some comment that was like, not yet, not yet. Because if they'd have let him past, then he, he is almost obliged to use up his tyres and go. And I think if you did that on the softs today, and I don't think we saw many cars on the softs, to be honest. I think it was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a dud in the end. It wasn't quite as high wear as we thought it was going to be. Then he would have basically had to pit like two or three laps later. So I think he realised that and he was desperate to save the softs and extend that first stint as much as possible. So given the opportunity to go, to go past Leclerc, he wasn't going to take it because he then didn't want to push on. I think he was happy. Um, so I know a lot of Ferrari people were, were unhappy with that, but I think Ferrari did that okay. It's just that when the pit wall comes over and says, we got this, and Leclerc's asking more questions, and they said, well, we'll discuss it at the end. Leclerc's going, what? What do you mean discuss it at the end? What tires now? <laughs> is- but um, I have n- never had less confidence in any radio message than I have with the Ferrari pit wall saying, we got yeah. this. Is that a um, good
3: thing? Oh, you guys are involved now? Great. Is that supposed
1: to help? It's nice to know you're paying attention, but (laughs) McClurk did sound distraught. He sounded sad. And if you, if I was that reporter and I'd said, are you feeling despondent? And he said, no, I'm fine. I would look him in the eyes and I would say, why, why are you turning this into a microphone of lies? I've paid money for this (laughs) microphone. It's a good microphone and you've ruined it with what you've just done there. You are sad. Here's a tissue. Please cry. No, I, yeah, sorry, that's harsh. But he should be sad. He should be sad. He's entitled to be sad.
3: Two things. Number one is, I don't know if anybody, I'm a, I'm a golfer, golf fan, as is Meg. Uh, and Brian Harmon right now is running away with the British Open at Royal Liverpool. And it's very funny to me to see tweets that are like, it's really it's a great tournament if you just take the leader out of it. And us <laughs> F1 fans are saying, welcome to the party, pal. Um all right, let's uh let's get to some questions. Uh Spanners, this is something you brought up um, in general, vaguely. Um, uh, but here's a question. It's from Ben Meyerson. Hey Ben. Should Oscar, should Oscar have finished on the podium instead of Lando?
1: No. No, no. So um Oscar Piastri, he, like when you see him racing, he's got awareness 10. That looks really good. Uh, when there was no tire wear at Silverstone, he was pushing the tires and he was following Lando Norris in and, and was arguably l- unlucky. But there's a, a you know there's an element that he's behind Lando Norris and that's just overall tire management, as we said at the beginning. And you know this is a race where he could not have been expected to know how to exactly manage a race in these conditions. And so it looked a little bit harsh because he got pitted out of the way almost. So Lando Norris got the first pit stop. Mm-hmm. And they will have argued that they were protecting the undercut. I, I don't think the undercut was on. I think they had a, they, they had a lot of room. There was a three-second gap, and I didn't see anybody undercut over three seconds. That's like Singapore levels of, of undercut. We just didn't see that today. And then uh, later on in the stint, like he disappeared. He got chewed up by, by Hamilton and, and Perez, and you could just see the difference in the, in the gap. And that's just when the time management went away. And, and in the interview... He was perfectly honest about that. He said, oh, well, we didn't have the pace. I didn't have the pace when it came to th- that last stint. And it was down to a bit of tyre management. And that's something that he's going to, you know, he's going to have to learn or not, depending on what direction Pirelli and or Firestone go on future tyre wear. So there's a lot of potential there. But no, this was Lando Norris definitely was a cut above Piastri, which you'd expect at this point with his experience. And he absolutely, he earned that that P2 or your you know, Formula 1.5 win uh, today.
2: Well, and also when they pitted Lando first, he came out and immediately set what was then the fastest lap on his new hard compound tire. So he was driving lights out as as fast as he could go. And then had Oscar kept pace, I think they ended up pitting Oscar before Lando mm. for the second pit stop. So had he been around the realm, it maybe would they have evened have itself said, out. Yeah. But, but I, th- I think you're right. I think he just, he fell off. And then at that point, it, it kind of stopped mm. mattering.
1: Piastri looks good, though, because in that Drive to Survive episode, it was all about, well, Piastri had better be good if he's dumped Alpine and he's doing this. He looks good. And it he was looking at slightly sketchy at the beginning of the season as he found his feet. But yeah, he looks real good. Looks real good. Also, Alpine
3: did not finish the race today. They
1: went <laughs> over oh. two. Second, so straight,
2: about... second straight double DNF. Uh,
3: just think about think about the day Oscar Piastri could be having. Had he kept his word, uh, Meg? This is some Row Nordy. Would Oppenheimer make a good team principal?
2: Oh God, I haven't seen the movie yet, so I can't oh fully, boy. I can't fully, uh, fully weigh in here. But um...
3: <laughs> well, me neither. But I could tell you what well, happened. No, I can, I can handle this one. Uh, he got Please, everybody rowing in the too. same direction. A lot of crazy people. He himself was crazy. Uh, probably a bit of a, a sociopath in some, in some way, uh, but he got the job done, and I think I just described everyone who's ever been successful in Formula Well, One.
2: so I, I was going to ask you, so then which team principal that's currently on the grid is he most like?
3: Uh, I, your Zoom connection's breaking up. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you just said. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> hey, this, this is actually an interesting question. Uh, it's from Random Dog Name Spanners. Do hey, McLaren have name. the best... Do McLaren have the best driver lineup at F1 right
1: now? No, maybe. I don't know. See, the, <laughs> here's, the, here's the problem is, it's really hard to compare, uh, you know, drivers unless you compare them to their teammates. And so Lando Norris really thumped Ricardo, So that's like in his favor. If Ricardo come his comeback is quite successful, then you go, okay, well, that was, you know, that was a good thing that Norris did. Norris has looked good against Carlos Sainz. Um... So, yeah, it's really difficult to tell. Like, Piastri's come in and looked kind of there or thereabouts, but then today we've seen areas where, you know, he needs to improve and get experience. But are you really going to put that up against uh, Leclerc and Signs? Are you going to put that up against George Russell and Lewis Hamilton? Are you going to put that up against Fernando Alonso and... Oh, never mind. I've run out. I've run out, <laughs> Meg. I've run out of comparisons.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a firm no for me, dog.
1: Uh, Meg,
3: last question. This is from D5's. Is the single greatest skill in F1 actually George's PR ability to act like my aunt in front of a camera to mask the fact that he does all the things people say they don't like about Max just without the winning? He has caused multiple incidents by being overzealous and out of control, is constantly coming up with weak reasons to, to beg to be swapped out with Lewis, and ask for new tires with less than 10 laps to go when he already has the pace to pass signs. But he knows how to play the PR game.
2: I love this, except I don't actually think he has that great of a PR strategy. (laughs) I think think he's on TV a lot because he's the head of the driver's union. And so I think he's willing to kind of put himself out there and answer questions and things like that. And he does seem like a relatively reasonable human being in interviews. But I I think that his on-track stuff definitely outweighs that. I I was cracking up when I think it was like maybe eight laps to go or seven laps to go when he asked to be swapped or asked for a a pit stop. Mm -hmm. And then he almost immediately passed Carlos Sainz, like maybe a lap or two later. (laughs) Incredible, incredible work from him today.
1: Americans, stop being fooled by us. Okay. Like there are big cultural differences. Okay. So this doesn't apply to me because I'm, you know, I'm from Essex and we wear our hearts on our, our mouths and we'll tell you exactly how we're feeling. But there is a lot of Britain that is incredibly emotionally repressed. So George Russell comes across a lot of times as this, like, oh blimey, uh, you know, I, I can't believe it. This is, this situation is is, um, is is barely manageable, but I'll be fine. But but that's just how a lot of British people are. Like they'll be shot with an arrow and they'll say, yes, I am, I am in a little discomfort due to the the blade <laughs> and the shaft that's currently in my yeah. abdomen. But there is underneath what he is trying to present as this very. PR polished guy. He is as red hot as Alonso. He is as flaming hot as as Lewis Hamilton. And we see the flashes come out. You know the with Bottas in Imola when he was still in a Williams. Uh, that you know the rush of blood last year at Silverstone with Yu Joe. So yeah, he's definitely. I, I don't know if he's winning the PR game, Meg. I think you're right. I think he's tried, but there's there's too much of his raw. Uh, you know, aggression and ruthless sportsman-like behavior that comes out, and I don't think anyone would judge him poorly. I think you know that's what Schumacher had, that's what Verstappen and Hamilton have, and and Russell has it as well. But he just has this very kind of you know his whole thing is here's a here's a logical PowerPoint, and I'll point things out to you. Uh, but really, no, he has he has rushes of blood. He's hot-headed and he's massively aggressive. I, I don't know what that um, questioner's aunt is like, but uh, you know none of my aunt's are like that.
2: It was funny during the the pre-race grid walk he was talking to the Sky Sports crew and they were sort of asking about qualifying and how disappointing it was and you know what sort of strategy changes they may make going forward in that realm. And he was, you know, giving very polite answers and saying they had discussions about it. It would be fine going forward. And then Nico Rosberg stopped and he was like, hey, did you yell at the engineers yesterday? (laughs) Or like, how heated did that conversation get? And George just kind of laughed and looked away Mm -hmm. and and gave a very non-answer, which seemed like, yeah, he probably went in and just screamed at everybody.
1: So to the rest of the non-UK world, politeness is a defense mechanism in the UK. Do not, do not take that at face value. A British person being polite to you could mean anything. Wow.
3: Uh, the Brits got Oppenheimer in some hot water. I don't want to spoil them.
1: Oh, is that is that, is that is at- that of of right, Kev? Well, I respect bomb. your opinion in that matter. Please carry on with your detailed and intelligent analysis.
3: No, I don't want to spoil the atomic, the <laughs> making the atomic, atomic bomb for anybody. We don't know. I don't know. Um, is it good? Is it Simpsons bad? Joke. Who can say? The, the literally joke. I didn't tell you how World War Two ended. Um, all right. So <laughs> we'll we, uh, you guys will be back for Belgium. I, I have to go I have to go leave. Um I'm gonna go cover the National Football League The for, boys are for, back. For, for three weeks. Um <laughs> probably should tell the NFL teams I'm coming at some point. Um probably do that now. Uh I'm also gonna go to dinner with Brian Curtis in the middle of Connecticut right now. Wow, so, I'm jealous. I could, I
1: could get dinner. Thanks for the invite. I'm busy actually, but he's you know, he's whatever. in the
3: northwest corner for summer, travel. and then I we're just going to meet in a random uh, town by a highway and just just have a have some diner food. So that's that's what, what that's my okay. Um All right, so the listener will hear you guys for Belgium in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm out for the next month or so. Uh, thank you to Erica Savantes for her production help. This has been the Ringer up One Show on the Ringer Podcast Network.
0: Collection at ugg.com.